You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by Paul Freitas, Professor of Health Economics at the University of Queensland, to discuss his presentation at the upcoming Australian Telehealth Conference titled TeleWhat, Trends, Possibilities and Barriers for the Australian Healthcare System. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, Dallas. In your speech, you will be discussing the idea of credence goods. What does this term describe and how does it relate to telehealth? So the the term credence good has been coined, I think, decades ago, but economists have taken it up. And there's a, there's a wonderful literature review by um, Kirsch, Baumer and Dulek in the Journal of Economic Literature of 2006, I believe. And uh, they define a credence good as a as essentially a good of what of of the kind that a consumer doesn't know what it is, and so a consumer good, a credence good, is a good of which the uh, the the consumer doesn't know that they need it, and in some cases even if they've had it, they don't know whether they have had it, and so it's a good for which they basically just have to believe that it's what they needed, and that they have to believe that they had it and that it worked. And health is a perfect example of this. So think of someone who uh, who feels badly, who goes to a doctor. They don't know what's wrong with them. They don't know what treatment might work on them. And after they have been given a certain treatment, this could involve an operation, can involve all sorts of things. They don't know whether what they got was the treatment that they actually needed. And they don't even certainly know whether they're still ill or whether they're cured or not. Um, and so they might experience some degree of relief or, or may feel better, but they don't actually ever know whether the underlying problem has been solved. So health is a, is a beautiful example of a good uh, where consumers are completely in the woods as to whether they need it, whether they've had it, uh, and whether it's worked. Uh, and that comes with all kinds of, of problems. Uh, and you see the various problems that economists have talked about in Koreans comes very much in the market for health. So... For instance, a normal good would be a bottle of milk. You know you're thirsty, you get the bottle of milk, and uh, you know you've had it. Um, and so they can't overcharge you for the milk because otherwise you go elsewhere. They can't sell you something else that is not milk because otherwise you complain. Um, and, uh, and, and you know that if they try and sell you something else than milk, that is not actually what you want and what you need. Um, and hence what you get with, uh, with, with the situation of health is that it's very easy for individuals to overpay, to get treatments that they didn't want, didn't need, um, or to get them to pay for things they didn't get. Um, and this is a, a quintessential problem in health, which, uh, which, which really at the core underlies a lot of the cost increases we've seen in the last couple of decades throughout the Western world. You will also discuss some of the bottlenecks that might affect systems like telehealth. What will you delve into at the event? I'll delve into a, a couple of bottlenecks, right? The, the tyranny of distance is, is certainly there, whereby the persons who are doing the diagnosing are not the persons who are delivering the actual health. And of course, that, that telehealth is, uh, is constrained by the fact that the people who most want to use it um, are in the difficulty that what, what they may need in order to get better nevertheless requires them to travel an awful long way away. Um, there are also technical difficulties in telehealth, the difficulties of how to get paid for a consult, um, the difficulties that if you have set up um, meetings, 
that it's very easy for people to be late or to not be able to make it. And the consequences of that are far greater when you're setting up a Skype call with someone in a remote island than they are when it comes to someone who's nevertheless sitting in a consultation room in Sydney. Um, so those are sort of the, the side issues that will be slightly mentioned. But the main problem we will be talking about is the incentives of the individuals doing the diagnosis from afar. Um, and the, their incentives are really weak. It's really difficult to, for them to be paid the full value of their consultation, and I'll go at length into that. And that ties in directly to the credence good problem. So, so on the back of that, what, what are some of the possible future directions telehealth can take? Um, telehealth can uh, can sort of take various directions depending on their their sort of their their level of uh, of ambition, right? One of the things they can do is they can they can offer a lot more money to the individuals doing remote diagnosis. Um, and of course, as you as you well know, the subsidy for telehealth uh, has been reduced at the end of 2014, I believe, uh, and that can be brought back. It can be increased. It can be specified to certain situations whereby either they previously would have been underpaying or sort of a risk fee for patients not actually showing up at the Skype fees. Um, you can think of various ways of, of effectively offering more money to the remote uh, specialists, GPs, doctors and whatnot um, to be involved in the consultation. Um, a second option you have is for telehealth to become more integrated into local health services so that you have telehealth in various jurisdictions uh, associated with various types of health and group uh, groups of health providers um, rather than being a, a sort of a national standalone system. Um, and a third possibility is that uh, that you sort of get a, get a more radical, bigger national system whereby telehealth morphs into, as it were, its own health provision um, institution whereby they're going to have doctors and specialists who work just for them and the same with nurses and they're going to have their own ability to sort of expand or reduce health provision uh, services in various areas. Um, I think that last possibility is, is, is basically a lost cause but to one of the two first ones, so either paying more for consultations or to integrate sort of seem more logical in the short run. In the long run, the, the notion of a, of a standalone diagnosis unit uh, has some merit. What do you hope attendees take away from your presentation? Um, I would hope that they get a greater understanding of the credence good problem as it, as it sort of affects health in general, but that telehealth, in particular, um, is handicapped by the credence good problem, um, because it it sort of by 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 making a distance between the person who is being helped and the person who uh, is is doing the diagnosis. In effect, one is trying to overcome the credence good problem, and that is part of telehealth's charm and tar- uh, part of its. Uh, its appeal. Um, but unfortunately, in the existing situation whereby all the diagnosis providers otherwise would be able to benefit from the credence good problems, um, it, is, it is sort of breaking a market power uh, without having the power to actually do this. 
and so it's it's severely handicapped. And so I I would like individuals to come away with a good understanding of the Keynes good problems, and and how it's it's uh, it, it's partly insoluble within the current structures. And then if we don't think outside the current structures, um, telehealth will face great difficulties. Thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you very much, Dallas.